You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Right at two months ago, we lost somebody from our family. Uh, and uh, we, we lost them essentially from what we understand to suicide. And I haven't said anything about it. I haven't, I haven't talked about it uh, just because it was sensitive and uh, sometimes it's really difficult to talk about those things. But the Lord's really laid it on my heart not to talk about the particulars around that, that person and that incident that took place, um, but just what goes on behind the scenes sometimes with people. Because the, the devil, when somebody gets to a point to where um, they would even take their own life. It's, it's not that he won a physical battle. It's that he won a, a spiritual battle because he's weapons of our warfare, are not carnal. And we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against the enemy. It's not that he wins this physical battle. He wins the battle in our minds. And so when you see someone get to the point in their life to where they, they would get to that point, um, it's really because of what they didn't know how to do to deal with with what was going on on the inside. And, you know, we talk, sometimes I feel like the, the culture of church uh, can be a place of celebration, and it, and it should be. Uh, but sometimes people come in on a Sunday morning to celebrate, but they're not celebrating between Sunday afternoon and the next Sunday morning. And because people are dealing with real stuff, they're dealing with heavy stuff, they're dealing with... Uh, attacks from the enemy, and so I'm going to do my best this morning to give you some tools to help you be able to to do that. And you know, I've had over my years of pastoring, I've had to walk through uh, a couple different people that have taken their life, um, and I had to learn quickly that I couldn't take that up on myself. As a matter of fact, I had people years ago, and I have I had people blame me and said that I didn't do enough unbeknownst to them, they had no idea how much we were doing behind the scenes. We minister to people and we don't, we don't tell everybody what we do to reach out and help and to minister and to counsel. And so you just don't always know the, the details that are going on behind the scenes. And, and, but I had to learn very quickly as a pastor that it's, I'm responsible to give people truth, but I'm not responsible to help them walk it out. And, and that's true for all of us. You know, accountability can only go so, so far. And I've had oftentimes I'll have people say, will you, will you be my accountability partner? And I, you know, I, I can't be accountable for everybody's thoughts and for everybody's actions and for what everybody's doing in their private time. You and the Holy Spirit have to learn to be accountable. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a mean way at all, but it's something that we all have to learn to do. We all have to learn to step into that. And so I'm going to minister things to you today that are uh, tough for me to minister because I'm anointed to teach this and preach this to you. I'm not anointed to live it. I have to walk it out by faith like everybody else. And I have things come against me and come against my mind uh, on grand scales sometimes that I have to work through and fight through things. And so I've, I've learned to never pretend like I've got it all together, but at least be willing to be open and vulnerable and share with you things that God has helped me that's helped me walk through, through battles in my own mind. Because that's really where the battle takes place, is in our minds. And if you can win the battle in your mind, 
you will win any war in life that this life or the enemy brings against you. If you don't win the battle in your mind, you're setting yourself up uh, for the enemy to rob from you and to steal from you and to take things that rightly belong to you, primarily your peace and your joy. You, because of Jesus, you have a right to peace and joy in your life. You actually have a spiritual inheritance. You have a, uh, you have a lineage of peace and joy. It belongs to you. It's actually in your spiritual DNA. And so for the enemy to come in and rob anybody from that, uh, we need to stand up against that. And peace and joy has real true peace and joy has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with how we process circumstances. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I guess it's been probably going on five years ago, back in, uh, I think the end of 2017 is when it was, I had a dream. Uh, I had a dream. That, uh, but I did have a, a real dream that I was, and many of you have heard this, so I'm not going to go into the details, but basically the dream was uh, a bunch of people were going and listening to this doctor uh, give instruction on kidney health. And uh, at first, I didn't know if the dream was true, and I gave it, or, I mean, that it was from the Lord. It was true. I had it. Uh, or I truly had the dream. But anyways, I gave it to someone that said, oh my gosh, this is an incredible dream. And that dream uh, kicked off literally thousands of dreams that we had here in this, this church. Some people are still here and others have, have gone on to different places or whatever. But that dream was a, it was a, it was an opening to something that God was doing in us. And it was more than just deliverance from things that were, were binding us, but it was resetting our ability to filter things that come to us. Because when you look at your natural kidneys, and so this is what the dream depicted, when you look at your natural kidneys, if, if you're, let's say your kidneys shut down, you'd be dead in how long, nurse? Three days? Let's say your kidneys weren't working at all, maybe three days, four days, and you'd be totally dead. Well, you know that you spiritually, and what your kidneys do is they filter out things that don't belong in your body. Praise God for good working kidneys, amen? But your spiritual kidneys, which would be tied to your heart, your inner workings, those kind of things, spiritually speaking, your kidneys is your ability to be able to filter out things that don't belong to you. And this is something we have to, be, we have to get stronger in, that when thoughts come to us, we have to be able to send it through healthy spiritual kidneys that we're able to get rid of the things that don't belong to us. Come on, somebody help me out here. And the reason that we often fight battles longer than we should fight them and we deal with things on a deeper level than what we should, and we see some people that would even come to a place of taking their own life is because they didn't learn how to process the lies, the toxic lies that the enemy were throwing their way. And so we just, we have, especially in this day and age, we have to be able to do this. Let me give you a crazy statistic. Pre-COVID, the mental, uh, the, um, the mental health disorders the number of people, the percentage of people that had mental uh, disorders, trouble, things like that, in the United States was somewhere around 13%. Since COVID started, it is now over 50% of people claim to, or, or doctors have come up with these statistics and scientists and people that study this, statisticians, that over 50% of people are dealing with mental health. Something has gone really awry in, in our country 
But it, what is really telling about that is that we've been living in prosperity for so long in our country. And when people are, live in prosperity, they often let their guard down. And we've done that as a nation because it's not that all of a sudden the enemy's got all this power and more people are, are dealing with mental disorders and problems and diseases. The problem is, is that because the pressures in this life right now are so strong on our nation and on families and on our children, there's so many things going on. It's that people don't know how to handle what is going on. That really is the problem. And, and I, I believe that for me, I have a responsibility and believers, we have a responsibility to know how to get a hold of some things from the scriptures, from the word, from our relationship with the Lord that will help us step into being people that are mentally and emotionally sound. Because God has a, a plan for you, and it's a plan to give you a future and a hope. It's not to harm you. He takes no delight in any form of evil or calamity that comes to your life. And some people will deal with, you know, depression and, and different problems and things that go on. And because of wrong doctrine that's been given to them, they oftentimes will believe, well, this is just something that the Lord wants me to have. If you believe that, then how can you actively stand against something that's coming from the enemy? The Bible says, submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, if what you have, you believe really derived from or was allowed by the Lord, how can you stand against something that you believe is of God? See, we have to be able to rightly divide and determine what is of God and what is of the enemy. And there's certain things that we understand when it comes to like sin. Christians believe, yes, sin is not of God, but when it comes to uh, sickness of all kinds, and, and particularly today, I'm talking about like mental disorders and, and people dealing with mental anguish and depression and stuff. A lot of our culture has led people to believe that that's, that's ultimately what God wants for your life. Well, how can you stand against something if you believe that it's from the Lord? We need to be able to, to rightly divide out what's of God and what's of not. In depression and anxiety and fear and torment, none of it is of God. It's all of the enemy. And you need to walk in freedom and you need to develop the tools, the skills spiritually to help you stay free. Because see, you could come up and, and have me pray for you and lay hands on you and bam, we could get you set free from that thing that's tormenting you. But what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do on Wednesday? What are you going to do next month? I can't be with you all the time. I can't be uh, accountable to you all the time. But you can develop tools that will help you to stop the enemy from robbing your peace and joy any longer. Amen. Amen. You know, the word says, and I think we've got this verse, we can pull it up here. It's 3 John chapter 1. There's only one chapter in 3 John and in verse 2. And it says that, I, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Now, the original King James says that I, I wish above all things. And this says that I pray that, uh, that you may prosper in all things. So the way I see it is that God wishes above all that we prosper in all things. I'll just put them together. Uh, and that in all things and be, and be in health just as, everybody say just as, just as your soul prospers. So that phrase just as means in proportion to or according to. So what it's saying is that you would, you would prosper in all things or in all areas and be in health 
in relation to or in proportion to the level of the prosperity that is in your soul. So in other words, what happens in your soul will make a difference of what happens in your life. See, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. And your mind, the mind really is where the battle takes place. And your mind is like your central processing unit. Your whole entire soul is like a computer. But your mind is like the central processing unit. And whatever is allowed to go on in there is going to be displayed in your life. Whatever takes place inside the inner workings of you, your mind, is the thing that is going to manifest in your life. So if you think uh, thoughts that are of God, if you believe things that are of God, if you think uh, prosperity in terms of your soul, and please just allow me to use the word prosperity, not in terms of finances at the moment, but specifically in terms of your mental health. If you are prosperous in your mind, you will, you will produce prosperity in your life. So if you think joyful thoughts, if you think peaceful thoughts, if you think good things, if you think about what God says about you instead of how you feel or your present uh, situation or what other people are saying about you or whatever's happening in the world, if you can take on what God says and you put that into your mind, then out of your mind and out of your heart, which those are all tied there together, then out of that is going to flow the things of God. But if you put other things inside there or allow other things to come inside there, that is what is going to be manifest out in your life. And so this is, this is very easy to state. It takes a little bit of work to do. Sometimes it takes a lot of work to do because the enemy really, really doesn't want you to get a hold of this. But I can tell you now, you can get a hold of this and you can live prosperous in your soul. And he says that I wish above all things that you would prosper. So above, and I think that was the, the King James Version, which is actually I'm more used to in this verse. He says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers or, or in accordance to the level of prosperity in your soul. So the issue that we have going on in this life is not that the devil is so great, but it's that he's so deceptive. And everybody, there's, you know, humans are all different. Every one of us in this room are different. Every person on the earth is different. You know, I love the idea of just looking at, at like fingerprints. And it's amazing to me that we have, I don't know, somewhere between seven and eight billion people on the planet and not, there's no two people that have the same fingerprint. That's a, that is amazing if you think about that. Our DNA is different. Every single person's DNA is completely different. We have lots of things that are different about us. But I'm going to tell you one thing that is the same for every single person. Every single person listening to me right now, this is the same for all of us. Every one of us have the availability to create strongholds. Let me let you in on a little secret. God is the one that made strongholds. What he didn't do is give the wrong, perverted, messed up information to become a stronghold. But the ability within us to create strongholds came from God. The devil's never created anything. He only perverts what God has made. All the way back, think about this, all the way back in the garden, God gave Adam and Eve, and we don't think of it in this terms, but it's exactly what it is. He gave Adam and Eve the ability to know things and then to believe things and then to live and act within those boundaries 
and it became a common knowing for them. It's like a stronghold. We just don't, we don't say it like that. Imagine this, if you were, if you were inside your house and you were watching uh, TV, you were watching the news and the news reporter came on and said, I just want everybody to know that as soon as you walk outside, you're going to float in the air. You would, you'd, be, you'd be responding to the TV reporter just like a lot of you looked at me right now. Like, are you crazy? That's not going to happen. There's, that's absurd. Why would you think that? Because you have a stronghold in your thinking based on your experience with gravity that would tell you that when you walk outside, you're still going to be planted to the earth. Come on now. So that's kind of what a stronghold is. So God gave you the ability to take information, to bring it on the inside of you and build a fortress around it so that anything that came up against it, you could fight or it would actually do the fighting for you. Because if you have a fortress that is so strong, you can go to sleep at night and not worry about anything that the enemy would try to come and bring, bring against you because your fortress is so strong. When we think about strongholds, we often think of them in a, in a, in a negative sense because of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not uh, carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the deal is, is that the enemy has taken the ability of God that was given to us to make strongholds. He's taken that and he's caused people to create wrong strongholds. You know what happens with those kind of strongholds or what needs to happen? We need to pull them down. They're, they're labels that the enemy has put on us. Fear that the enemy has given to us. Whatever it is that's come to us that's not accurate, that doesn't line up with what God says, that we have taken and it's now an active part of our life and our thinking. It's how we process things. That is a stronghold and it needs to be broken out of our life. Hallelujah. Is that making sense to you guys? So what happens inside the mind determines what's going to happen in our life. And there's nothing wrong with our, our minds. What's, what we have the problem with is, is what we put into, the, into our minds or what we allow to go into it. And I'm not just talking about, and all this can, can fit in together, I'm not just talking about watching things you shouldn't or listening to things you shouldn't. I mean, that can fit into it certainly. But it's what are you thinking and meditating on? See, when you're sitting in a, in a place like this, this is kind of a bubble. You come in here and we sing songs and we worship the Lord. It feels good. And we're like, yeah, this is good. And uh, man, I just, I, this is awesome. But oftentimes what we're missing is the, the strength, the know-how, the ability to say, when I walk out of this place and I get the phone call or I get the bill in the mail or I have the rotten thing happen with the situation or I'm facing the same thing that's going on day after day after day, Oftentimes what we're missing is the strength in our minds to not allow the negative lies and, and toxic things of the enemy to come in that bring us lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And if you want to know how people get to a place to where they, they could actually take their own life, this is how. Now, there can be people that have um, uh, chemical imbalances in their brain. I know that that is legitimate, that that is real. I'm not discounting that. But when it comes to mental problems, depression, anxiety, things like that, I, I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you from my experience of dealing with people for basically 15 years, we've been in ministry, 
uh, 98% of what goes on, on in, our, in our minds. And I was going to go like this, but it's really not your physical brain. It's in your soul. It's how you process things. It's the difference between your physical brain and your mind. They're two different things. Your brain controls all the functions in your body. Your mind controls all the functions in your soul. It's really important to understand that. And I would say that the vast majority of people, actually nobody has a chemical imbalance in their mind. Some people have chemical imbalances in their brain and need physical healing or medication to deal with it. They need one of those two things. But most people, and I'm not coming down on anybody, I'm just telling you what I believe to be true from the word and from my experience, that most people that are dealing with strong attacks in their mind, they just need to develop the tools to be able to deal with the way that the enemy comes at, at them and comes against them. Because you have the ability within you to open your mouth and to speak the word and to praise God and you can overcome and you can silence the enemy at every turn. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. For every evil tongue that rises up in judgment, you shall condemn is what it says. You shall condemn it. What weapon does the enemy have? He can't just come at you and just hit you with stuff. He doesn't have great power. He has great deception. He's a liar. He's cunning. He's crafty. So every evil word, he uses words. Every evil word that rises in judgment against you, you shall condemn. So you know what you got to do? You got to get to a place to where you go, you know what? Actually, I know what the word says. I know what God says about me. And I'm not going to believe the thing that I'm hearing right now in my mind. I'm not going to believe it, and I cast you down. I break your back in Jesus' name, and you no longer have authority in my life. Hallelujah. Let me show you this a little bit more from Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Let's turn there. If you've got your Bible, turn there. If you don't have your Bible, pretend that you're turning there as an act of faith. Praise God. Then when you get home, you can go and look this up. Joshua chapter 1, but it's fine if you use your your phone, anything like that is fine. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. I want you to see this here. He says, only be strong and very courageous. In other words, don't be any other way. That means you can be another way. He just says, don't be in any other way. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which, was, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. So here he says what you need to do in order to prosper in this life. And that, that prosperity there, I think it was a word to Joshua in particular, but I also think it was a, a word to the nation of Israel and them stepping into the prosperity and the promises that God had promised them as a nation, all of that. So verse 7, he, he told them what to do, but listen to this. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Verse 8, he tells them how to do it. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When is the then? The then is a time. When is that time? The time that you don't allow the word of God to depart out of your mouth, but you meditate therein day and night. 
So you say, when am I finally going to get some breakthrough in the realm of my soul to have joy and peace that continues on? I'm telling you that I haven't arrived, but I have left. And I know that this is the answer. You know how I know? Because the word says it right here. You can believe everything that's in the word. So you go, well, when am I going to find joy and peace in my soul? When is this thing finally going to level out for me to where my circumstances aren't determining what's going on inside of here? Who in here is tired of their circumstances determining what's going on in here? Let me just see who's tired of that. This is the answer. He says, this book of the law, the word of God, because all they had at that point was the law. So you could say the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. And this is what I want to say to you. The way to a prosperous soul is directly tied to and only comes when your mouth and your meditation line up. When I say meditation, I'm not, mm, I'm not talking about that. Not, not that kind of meditation. We ain't into that. But they just robbed a word that God gave us and did weird stuff with it. But anyways, uh, but meditation is what you're doing in here. It, it's what's happening in here. See, right now you can come and sit in here and you don't have to meditate because I'm doing the meditation for you right now. At least to a certain extent. You know, you might be thinking about when is he going to be done because it's beautiful and I want to go to the picnic, I want to go to the creek, I want to go fishing or go play golf. It would be my preference. But I'm doing some work for you right now. But as soon as I'm done from here, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you're playing golf? You know, I've had times when I've played golf and I've gone fishing and I was worried the entire time. Because whatever it is that you're doing, you are meditating on something. Your mind does not ever shut off. Even if you think about it, at night you have dreams. You dream all night long, even if you don't remember them, you dream all night long. All night, your mind is thinking and processing and doing things. It never shuts down. Well, when you are conscious, what is it that you are meditating on? You know how to change and determine what you're going to meditate on? If you put things here, it will affect what goes on here. I feel like that deserved a bigger amen. Can, can, you, can you help me, please? Amen. 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 You were the last one to say amen. All right. I'll go to you next time. It's so difficult at home. She will never amen me at home. But if you want to change what's going on here, you have to change what's going on here. I read this verse for years, and there was so much that, that I got out of it, but I was like, what does he mean that the book of the law shall not depart from my mouth? It's, it actually, sound, the language there sounds like he's saying, don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't, don't say it. What he's, what he's actually saying is that you're saying it constantly to where it's always in your mouth because you're always saying it. So what you put in here will affect what goes on here. So how do we win the, the mental war that, honestly, we've been in since the gardens? Humanity has been in since the garden. It's just that the problem is, is that whenever you see stuff go on in a society, and then all of a sudden you see an uptick of, uh, um, of suicide, which we've seen an uptick of suicide in our, uh, in our world since COVID started, 
it's not that the enemy has become stronger. It's that the weaknesses in people have been revealed. But God's word is still true, and we have the answer to be able to rise above it and stay above it. Listen, let me say something to every one of you. There's no condemnation. None. Just like the word that Katie shared. There's no expiration date on grace. That'd be a good title to a book, at least a chapter in one. The expiration date of grace. That'd be catchy. Oh, let's find out when it is. Never. It's never. Never. There's no expiration date to grace. You, you, You know, the word says that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Sin isn't just what you do wrong, but it's when you don't do enough right stuff. The grace of God is more than enough to cover any and all of your stuff and my stuff. There is no expiration date to it. There's no condemnation in what I'm saying right here. But what I am giving you is a tool to help you overcome. Amen. We're going to live up to our name as being overcomers. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's a lot more I could say about this. I'm going to, I'm basically going to leave it right there. Uh, But you have to understand something. What comes out of here will determine what goes on here. And sometimes we want to, in fact, this is a ploy of the enemy, is that he'll get us thinking here and thinking about things on the inside to the point to where we blow or we explode and then we say something and then we come into agreement with it. Because the ultimate way that faith works is for you to speak and believe at the same time. And when you do that, that's when you set yourself on a course, either for good or for bad. Because faith, the, the, the actions, the workings of faith will work to your benefit or work to your detriment, depending on how you're using it. Because we're made to believe and to speak, then we see. We believe, then we speak, then we see. But actually, what is maybe equally as true is that you can also speak, then believe it, then you'll see it. It doesn't really matter which one comes first. You just have to know what the truth is and come into agreement with it. And if you're struggling on the inside to come into agreement with it, at least make your mouth line up. Because if you can make your mouth line up, eventually your heart will believe it. You're voice activated. You and I are voice activated. What really, what really activates human beings? Words. Words. This is why you can be, you can ha- be having a perfectly fine day. Perfectly fine day. And then someone sends you a video about the world ending. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, do I have enough food? Do I have enough? <laughs> First of all, if the world's going to end, it doesn't matter how much food you got. It just, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> But, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, we get these negative things and we go down this, this trail and we're like depressed and what, why? Words, words that were spoken, words that we believed, words that we internalized. And if you want to take control over your own life, your own thoughts, your own, um, you want to take control over the devil, pull your sword out and chop his head off. You do that by taking your words and releasing them into your situation. God gave you a sword. All of the armor of God, listen to Ephesians chapter 6, all of the armor of God, as far as what I can see, basically are all defensive. The shield of faith, the gospel shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, another one or two in there I'm not thinking about, but you know what the offensive weapon is? It's the sword. What was coming out of Jesus' mouth in the book of Revelation? It was a sword was coming out of his mouth. Why? Because it's a weapon. 
You want to stop the enemy, open up your mouth and say what God says. Get like that, get like that on the inside and the outside. <laughs> you say, you know what? You're not going to determine my destiny. I'm going to, according to the word of the Lord, determine my destiny. And my mouth is going to line up with what God says. Let me leave you with one verse, and then we're going to close with this. James uh, chapter 3. This is so good. James chapter 3. Did you guys get something out of this? This is like a, this is a quick dagger you can pull out and be like, Satan, I got you. I got you. You're cornered. You're nothing. James chapter 3. Let me show you this. This is awesome. I want to read this whole section for time's sake. I might anyways, but let's see here. Verse 2, it says, For we all stumble. This is James chapter 3 and in verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone, now listen to this. If anyone does not stumble in a word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. That's, power, that's powerful. A perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. You know what that tells us? Our words are the thing that gets us in trouble more than anything else. Yeah, how we think is a, is a huge part of that, and the enemy comes in with those thoughts, but as soon as we vocalize it, it it's, like, it's like it adds gas to the engine or something. I mean, it just goes to a whole other level. In verse 3, it says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. It's a great analogy. Think about how small your tongue is compared to the rest of your body. It's almost nothing, but yet it will determine the entire direction of your life. And here's the thing. It's not, it's not one word. It's not one day of wrong words or right words. It's consistency. It says in Proverbs 18.21, it says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, See, we often quit at the first part. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. True. But those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Love what? The power that's in your tongue. You have the ability to bless what needs to be blessed and to curse what needs to be cursed. There are, there are thoughts and there are plans and schemes of the enemy that need you to curse it. Because he won't let you alone until you put a curse on what he's saying about you. You need to curse the curser which sometimes happens when I'm on the computer and it won't go and I want to curse the cursor. Not really, totally different, totally different. <laughs> For time's sake, I want to jump down. I read, want to read verse 10, 11, and 12, and then I'm done. It says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Can anyone relate to that? Come on, let's just be honest. Uh, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? It's not a trick question, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine uh, bear, frig, bear figs? Not a trick question. No, can't do that. Impossibility. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and, fre and fresh. So I, I read this, and for a long time, I'm like, I don't understand it, because sometimes they say things I shouldn't, and sometimes they say things that I should. So this is making no sense to me. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about where the words are deriving from. 
Are they deriving from your frustrated soul that needs ministered to, that needs life put into it? Or is it coming from your regenerated, made alive unto God spirit man? Where are the words coming from? Because if the words that you're speaking are salty, <laughs> it's not coming from the place that you want it to, that you want it to come from. But if they're fresh and they bring life, it's a, it's a sign that it's coming from the right place. We need to make sure our words are being derived from the, from the word of God, from the life of God that's on the inside of our spirit, man. Hallelujah. How many of y'all are ready to go just take on the devil? Okay. Well, here's the deal. Next time he comes to you, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't get down in the dumps. Don't get depressed. Don't get discouraged. Don't be defeated. Open up your mouth, and you choose the direction that you are going to go. I've actually heard people say, oh, those faith preachers, they just they say you can determine the, the direction of your life by your words. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can. You can. And you are. I don't believe that. That's why your life stinks. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> We're created in the image of God. You do not understand that the entire world was framed by his words. So I've, I was in Bible college one time. Well, a whole period of time. But anyways, one class period I was there. And... Uh, one of the ministers was talking along these lines, and someone there was a time for question and answers, and, and the one guy, he said, can we create worlds? Can we create planets with our words? And he said, I would be concerned about living victorious in this life, and maybe God has something special for us in the next one. But it made me think, if we're really created in the image of God, is it possible we could do that? And I've heard people teach whole series on, we can create planets. And I'm like, let's just fix the one we're on first. Let's worry about that. I'm not worried about all the outer space stuff, you know. Uh, although it is, it is interesting. I mean, what, where's the end to outer space? For us, it's as far as our telescopes will go. But beyond that, is there any limit to it? Probably not. Will God give us the, the, the freedom and stuff in heaven to create? I, I don't know. You say, oh, no, that would be blasphemous. We're created in his image. You're just like God. You have the same power in your words that God does. <laughs> ah, that's hard for some people to handle, but you just take that and go home and put it in your blender and, and blend it up real good and then try to digest it that way. It's your, you, are more, you and I are more like God than what we have any idea of. We are so much like God. We are just like God. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. You know what that says? That just like Jesus was in this world, so are we. Well, I'm not seeing it. Well, doesn't believe doesn't mean it's not true. Just because you're not currently seeing something doesn't mean that it's not true. Are you saved? Can you see your salvation? No, but you are. How do you know? The word says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Wow, there's words and believing coming together right there. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Amen. Praise God. 
There's more true and more real that we can't see than what we can see. Hallelujah. Let's forsake the thoughts of the enemy and forsake the thoughts that have been harming us and take on God's thoughts. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit OCIPerryville.com.